Welcome, you're listening to the rest of the sermon, a podcast where we dive deeper in content and conversation of last Sunday's sermon at Westside in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. For more information, you can visit our website at westsidepb.org. Welcome back. Welcome back to the rest of the sermon. It has been a couple weeks. It has a been a hot minute. Yes, it has been a hot minute. It yes, has been it a has. little while. What in the world have we been doing? Some of you who follow the podcast, the rest of the sermon, you may be wondering, where has the rest of the sermon gone? It's been where two weeks. It been? Yeah, it's, it's been, been two, two weeks. weeks. We've not been in here. Yeah. So what we kind of wanted to do is just sort of give everybody an update on what's been going on for the yeah. last two to three weeks. What's uh, why we <laughs> why are we on a hiatus? Yeah, we're we live right live. now. Yeah, go ahead, man. Got What's to been going experience on? COVID, <laughs> so that was fun, for sure. So, what happened, man? I mean, I remember from what I remember, we had a uh, we had a service on a Sunday, and then uh, a Monday. I think it was the Sunday before Christmas Eve. Yep. And then that next that next day, Monday, I got a call, and you said, "Hey, I got COVID. Uh, I tested positive." For yeah, COVID. man. What, what so, was your What was your experience with it? Was um. Like, yeah, it's kind of hard, you know, you don't want to judge all of COVID because of your experience, but right. we, uh, my wife, I tested positive first, um, and then Courtney started showing symptoms. I isolated from the family uh, because we were so close to Christmas. I just tried to salvage any of that that we could, but then Courtney tested positive as well, and so we did our quarantine and all that stuff. We had pretty mild symptoms yeah. and uh, were down for about 48 hours Um on the lesser end, and then yeah. uh, the remainder of the time was just being quarantined from Christmas to kind of the new year and yeah. all, and all of so, that stuff. So Christmas was just yeah. the, the five of you in your house. Yeah, and it kind of ended up being a little bit of a blessing in the sense that we, a lot of times it's busy traveling, seeing family, going here, going there, going to this house, doing that house. And so uh, we woke up. Kids were definitely a little bit bummed as to not yeah. experience, you know, grandparents and this, that, and the other. But it ended up being okay yeah. and had a good time, you know, with the kids. And so we survived. We're good. We're on the up and up and trying to live life post-COVID now. Yeah, So, man. yeah. Good deal. Yeah, how, about you, how about you guys? Uh, we had a doozy of a holiday season. Um, as, as you know, our family contracted COVID as well. Yeah. Um, but before that, uh, the Monday before Christmas, uh, 10 years um, – of, of a family member, he would have been 11 this year. Uh, we we had to say goodbye to our, our the first dog that Kayla and I had together. His name yeah, was Justice. Uh, lots of complications or anything, and I'm just it's just super sad. We miss him. Uh, he was a good dog. Won't have another one like him. Um, so we had that experience the Monday leading up to Christmas, uh, and then we had Christmas Eve service, and then Christmas at the house. Um, all, all most of our we've moved away from most of our family, not intentionally. It's just sure. kind of happened, and yeah. and so Christmas for us is generally just us in the household. Um, and then uh, that following Sunday, um, we started showing some symptoms in the afternoon and in the evening, and, and Kayla got tested that yeah. that next Monday, and she tested positive. So we quarantined for for I think they gave Kayla ten days, and since me and the kids didn't get a, a physical test, an right. actual test, then they extended our quarantine a little bit longer to give us time to contract and recover and right and uh learned a lot about myself being cooped up in the right. house with my wife and my kids i'm uh, way too harsh on my family and i expect far too much from a three-year-old and one and a half yeah year right old. And yeah man i'm realizing that there are some things that i think are the end of the world when nine times out of ten they're not and it's not a big deal yeah. so i said at one point i don't think i told courtney i said i don't think it's so much that like the kids 
are aggravating me is I might be aggravating the kids. Right. We were just on top of each other for that extended period of right. time. The weather was bad and all that, but we're back. Shout out to yeah. Pastor TJ Woodard yes. of Bluff First Assembly here yes. in town. Stepped in on Christmas Eve yeah, and that man. Sunday and preached a good word. And uh, yeah, man, good, yeah. good guy, good friend. Check them out, Bluff First, on the Facebook and yes. website and all that stuff. Yeah, so we have, <laughs> although a lot's been going on, we also have more that's been going on and coming up. Um, one of the most exciting things that we've got an opportunity to launch into coming back from our quarantine and from yeah. COVID is Westside Men. Yep. Westside Men started last week, our our first Wednesday night, which yeah, we man. do at 6.30 for ages 16 and up if you're a man, yep. if you are a male. And uh, I was still mid-quarantine uh, during that, so I wasn't able to make the launch. But yeah. Jay, why don't you fill us in on what that's like and what people can expect and how the first launch night went? Yeah, man. The first launch night went great. Had the grill going out front, game on in the lobby, a uh, bunch of guys hanging out. We had close to 50 men come and hang out and yeah. sang together, which was really powerful. <laughs> moment, just um, a room full of men singing, and uh, that was just a really cool thing. I don't think you you hear that often. There's just a special moment there. Then had guys around tables, uh, relationships are being built, and so this is going to be an every Wednesday night thing from 6.30 to 8.30, yeah. and uh, we're just really excited to see relationships flourish and grow and see yeah. the fruit come out of West Side Men. So yeah. we need... Uh, the vision is to see men leading men. Yeah, man. Uh, 2 Timothy uh, 2.20, I believe, says... Uh, these things that you've heard in my presence teach to faithful men who might teach men also. Yeah. And so just the discipleship aspect. And we know that that takes time, but we're wanting relationships to foster and grow, man. Yeah, so, man. Absolutely. Excited. Yeah, I think uh, in a culture that we live in now, um, to hear a message of Timothy saying something like, hey, this is a message for men to teach other men. I'm going to teach you so you can teach others. Um, seems kind of foreign because we're not really good at, at building each other up, really good at beating each other up, right. uh, whether right. it's through you know the keyboard or through tapping with our thumbs on social media or physically one-on-one, face-to-face. Uh, -face. Yeah. And this is an environment where we don't want to, to beat you up. We want to build you up Amen. for the purpose of building up other men as yep. well. So we're excited. Westside Men, Wednesday nights, 6.30 p.m. at yep. Westside, ages 16 and up. Bring your Bible and bring a man friend. Yep. Bring a friend. So yes. we're going to get into it now. Uh, we are back to the rest of the sermon. We're about five and a half minutes in, and we have started a new sermon series. Yeah, uh, man. This week's sermon was more of an introduction yep. uh, to the series, but we are in the book of Colossians. Yes. We love the Bible at Westside. Amen. Uh, we believe that information and revelation about who God is and what He has done and what He wants for my life doesn't necessarily come from within ourselves. It's yep. not this spark or this information or this aha moment that we get, and we're like, ah, now God has revealed to me who he finally is in my mind, and I have the answer. It is blank. Yep. And then slip in a donation request right there. <laughs> uh, and actually, that information and revelation comes from God. Um, I love this. You say this all the time. You say God wrote a book. Yeah, man. Uh, what better place to search for answers than this book that's been preserved for us through time and informs and reveals us of who God is, what he's done, and what he wants for my life. Yeah. Uh, we love the Bible, and that's why we're studying um, the book of Colossians. But I kind of want to land on that question. A lot of people may ask, Hey, we've heard you guys, I mean, let's list off the books of the Bible that we've preached through, that we've taught through. Yeah. The most recent one before Colossians was Philemon. Philemon. And then yeah. you did Mark um, years ago. When, yeah, that I mean, took like a, almost two years yeah, to the, do. the book of Mark. We did Daniel. We did Daniel. Yeah, we did the first half of Daniel mm -hmm. with just the historicity, the last parts, the prophetic yeah. dreams and stuff. We um, did Summer Playlist, and we did another Psalm series expressing emotions yep. biblically. Those weren't full expositions of every single yeah. chapter of the but Psalms. We almost do every summer a portion of the Psalm. 
Psalms yeah. for sure. So we yeah. got to do Ecclesiastes. Yeah, uh, man. We did that whole entire book. Yeah. Um, done the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. Um, that stuff like that. So it's been and Nehemiah preached yeah. through Nehemiah that whole book as well. So yeah, man. That's just so about, great. about a half a dozen books. Yeah. Uh, it's really fun. Well, really if fun. you've if you've been on that journey with us at Westside going through books of the Bible, um, you may be asking yourself, and we can land on this question for a minute. Why do we study full books of the Bible at Westside? Yeah. Why do we do that? Yeah. Um, I think there's a both and. I think sometimes there's, you know, we pop off series and do some stuff about the family or we did God's money and do stuff like that. But primarily what we see in the scriptures is guys like the Apostle Paul say, um, you know, it's it's a pastor's job to teach the full counsel of God. Yeah. And as he says in Second Timothy four, to preach the word, to give yeah. yourself to the public reading of Scripture. Yeah. And so, um, if we really, everybody, I think, believes um, in whether the well, correction. Not everybody, but a majority of Christians would believe in the authority of the Bible. Yeah. The inspiration of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the great doctrines of the Reformation is the sufficiency yeah. of the Scriptures. And so it's not just, get God wrote a book, and amen, brother, we believe it, and this, that, and the other, but like, is it sufficient? Yeah. Is is it is there enough in there, as you know, Peter would say, for a life of godliness yeah. as to how God wants me to live in his revelation? And so uh, Calvin had three things of the word, the the revealed word um, in in Jesus Christ, yeah, um, and then uh, the the written word mm-hmm. uh, as well, and then the preached word, yeah, um, and so yeah, man. The reason why we primarily study books of the Bible um, is because we believe that God's word does the work, yeah, and so we Amen. just line by line, you know, kind of go through that. Yeah. The, the I guess the technical term is. The, um, exegetically, yeah, and so um, free sermon or free seminary nugget here. Um, <laughs> eisegesis means to put into, yeah, um, and so exegesis means to draw out from, yeah, and so uh, we draw out from the scriptures, yeah, what God has written. We don't put into the scriptures, amen, what we want or this, that, yeah. and the other. And quite frankly, dude, I'm not creative enough. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't, I don't understand. You sell yourself short. You well, gotta- <laughs> I don't understand what it is to just look at a blank, you know, dry erase board and yeah. go, "What do our people need?" Let's be creative. Right. Whenever I can go to the index page of my Bible and see sixty-six sermon series, right. you know what I mean, or yeah, something man. like that. So it's a both and healthy approach. Yeah, you know, absolutely. We pause and and do topical stuff yeah. because we need to thematically hit some things. Yeah. But yeah, primarily just kind of walking through the yeah, scriptures well, for the authority and sufficiency. And th- and that's a bit. That's a big dividing line sometimes it's a dividing line that people will will actually it's a stark line that they'll stand on either side of whether it's a, a church or denomination or whatever topical versus exegetical yeah, on right. either side of that line um, and we bounce back and forth between the two um, but they're always rooted in a passage or in a certain text but which type of teaching do you do you prefer you've been you've been preaching for a while now um, yeah. even before west side you were Involved in in youth and yeah. and heavily study the Bible. What what type of teaching do you prefer and why? Topical or exegetical? Yeah, I mean, surprisingly, mm-hmm. even when I was doing student ministry, you know, we would still do Book of Philippians and stuff yeah. like that because I wanted to show the students that the Bible is sufficient. Yeah, you know, and um, and so I think for me, what what I feel most comfortable in, and when I mean comfortable, I mean 
to to steep in yeah. and to marinate in is definitely exegetically walking yeah. through a book of the Bible line by line. Yeah. And so that's um, good. but you know, there's seasons where God has a specific word and we need to address some things. Yeah. And so we'll go to various topics or, or various scriptures for various topics. But yeah, man, just I think primarily it's a healthy diet. It also is a preacher holds you accountable. Right. Um you can't skip stuff. Right. And so if people are like, well we were in Colossians one this week but now we're in Colossians 3, what happened to Colossians 2? Right. You know, and it's like, well, that had some hard stuff in it. <laughs> and we don't, and it just makes you kind of right. hold you accountable yeah. in that sense. So yeah, man, those yeah. are just a, a, a array of reasons. Well, you know? I, I like that you drew the, I like that you made the clarification between eisegesis and exegesis. Eisegesis means, like you said, pouring something into, to place something into exegesis is to draw from. Yeah. And a lot of times when we approach, approach the Bible, um, we can be tempted to create this top and like, let's say oh, we think, you know, we want to do a capital campaign or something. Our people need to hear a teaching on money. Yeah. So let's do a passage on money and read resources or whatever. That's eisegesis. Exegesis is let's look at the Sermon on the Mount and see what Jesus has to say about the love of money. Right. And then how can we draw from that and exegete that passage? And so yeah. That's why we do what we do at Westside. Even, and it's not just the sermon, guys. Um, it's it's how our entire service is orchestrated. Yep. Um, from, from the beginning, the first thing that you hear, the welcome, uh, through the red doors of Jesus Christ, the red doors. <laughs> yeah, I want to talk about that for a second. Yeah, uh, when we remodeled um, the uh, lobby and the entryway at Westside, uh, one of the things that that Jason you mentioned to me was that we were going to paint the doors, the double doors that lead into the chapel, um, yep. crimson red. Yep. Um, and we have this call to worship that we read now, um, right before we get into a passage of God's word. And it says, to all who are weary and need rest, to all who mourn and long for comfort, to all who feel worthless and wonder if God cares, this church opens wide her red doors in the name of Jesus Christ, yep. the friend of sinners, welcome. And what I loved about the 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 imagery of the red doors is that it's a church history thing. Sure. Um, when you actually pass through, it's a, it's symbolic. When you, outside these red doors, outside the blood of Jesus, the world views you as lost and as broken and as a sinner and as an awful person. Yep. And that is your identity. But when you pass through the blood of Jesus, when you pass through those red doors, you are viewed by God in the righteousness of Jesus Christ yep. because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so that's a little nugget. You guys may not have really actually heard that on a Sunday morning. I think we said it the first couple of weeks. That yeah, <laughs> we sure. Did the yeah. Door. yeah. But uh, that's the reason that that welcome serves. And then we do the same thing. The we always follow up with a passage of scripture that leads us into our song. And and this actually comes from Colossians chapter three. We're going to get to this in a couple of weeks. In verse sixteen, it says, "Let the word." This is talking about the gathering. Like yeah. When they gather, when you gather, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing another, one another in all wisdom. And so the Word of God already, we see that Paul is telling the church in Colossae that, hey, this is this is to be central at the point of the gathering, yeah. and also sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Yeah. So, amen. so we love God's Word at Westside, and you can say amen on the podcast yep. right now. Um, so let's get into this. Let's get into a little bit of the sermon series, our introduction this yeah. week into the book of Colossians. We said our big idea was this, a clear view of Jesus— can really change your life. Amen. A clear view of Jesus can really change your life. What does that mean? Yeah. I, know you, I know you expounded on that a little bit in the sermon, but let's go into depth into that a little bit. Sure. And I'll follow up with this question. How does our current... Because if a clear view of Jesus can really change our life, that begs the question, like, well, what does an unclear view of sure. Jesus do? How does it, how does it um, impede my life from yep. being joyful or love? So how does our current view of Jesus, correctly or incorrectly, 
affect our lives. Yeah, sure. So just at the first of the year, just kind of <clears throat> praying and asking the Lord what He would have for us at Westside and in light of everything in 2020 in 2021, still starting off eerily the same um, and some weirdness and everything. I just, and and actually through our church's Bible reading plan, read through Colossians, always loved Colossians, yeah. and then just kept going back and reading and rereading and rereading. And um, uh, J.B. Lightfoot, a guy who's a New Testament scholar, um, said that the doctrine of the person of Christ is here stated in the book of Colossians, it's his introduction to the commentary, is here stated with greater precision and fullness mm. than in any other of St. Paul's epistles. And so when a guy like that, it's almost like Remington or Nike saying, you know, if Remington was like, this is the best gun we've ever made, yeah. people would be like, whoa. Like, or if Nike was like, this is the best shoe we've ever, people would listen. Right. And so for a guy of that caliber to say, apart from the gospels, which are, you know, almost like a biography of Jesus, in the New Testament and Paul's epistles, Colossians shows a clear view of Jesus. Yeah. And I just thought in light of, man, political jargon, um, cons- What's that? That's not going on. Right yeah, now. right. Conspiracy <laughs> theories to division, hostility. Um, I mean, I think there's been the waters have been muddied when yeah. it comes to the church and its partisan lines and um, all types of stuff. And so I thought, man, what we need is, and I just said, it's like that junk drawer at your house yeah. where you've got all that stuff in it. And, and when you organize it, you just dump it out and you start over. Yeah. And I was like, we just need to dump it out and we need to start over. And I think Colossians is going to do that. Yeah. And so that's primarily why the clear view of Jesus will change your life. Yeah. You know, we talked about Paul hating Christians, hating the church, and now he's writing a letter to the church. Yeah. And so um, I, I just firmly believe, and I believe now more in my ministry than ever in being a Christian that that I think I am more compelled by the Jesus of the scriptures than yeah. I've ever been in my life. Yeah. And um, I just think that's what we need, man. Yeah, so, man. So, so that's where the sort of the conviction and the birthing of everything yeah. sort of came out with this letter. Yeah. Well, so. you opened with an illustration um, that blew me away. I've, I've always loved outer space. I've always loved planets yeah. and stars since I was a kid. I've got a funny story I'm going to tell. When my my <laughs> when my wife my wife and I are coming up on ten years of marriage. Amen. June, Congratulations, awesome. a decade. You. Yeah, and a third baby on the way. Everyone Woo-hoo! knows by now. All so right, pray for us. Yes, um, but we uh, uh, we our first year together. My first birthday as a married man. My wife took me to Steamboat Lake in Steamboat Springs, Colorado, just north of of, of Steamboat Springs, and we went camping out there. I mean, yeah. it, it was like a scene from. Uh, it, it was just beautiful. We were just in this valley, and there were mountains on every side of yeah. us. And, and uh, at that point, I was like, "Hey, I want to start learning some constellations. I want to oh, start. Cool. I just want to learn like what the night sky is. Yeah. Like not what it can teach me. Or that's astrology. Don't do <laughs> sure, that. Yeah, <laughs> that's sure. bad. Astronomy yeah, is what right. you want to study, yeah. not astrology. Um, and uh, we were camping that night, and then uh, this family came over and was like, "Hey, it looks like you guys are, are celebrating. Um, is, is it someone's birthday?" I was like, "Yeah, it's actually mine." And they were like, can we sing you happy birthday in Italian? Whoa. And I was like, what? Well, first wow. of all, yes. Right, yeah. <laughs> but secondly, what? Like, wow. what is this? And it, that was actually a really mom- a good moment for me. My, my family heritage on my mom's side comes from Italy, from That's Sicily. Cool. So that was really cool wow. to hear that. And then um, being a 21-year-old idiot, <laughs> I said, hey, do you guys want to learn about the stars? And and I'm like ready to show them these constellations that I that I viewed or learned in the last week leading up to this birthday trip. And before I open my mouth, they're like, "It's funny you should say that. Like, 
We are astronomy professors at the University oh of Colorado. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and I was like, oh, cool. Can you, why don't you tell me about what's that? Oh, that's, dude, that's a great story. <laughs> right, yeah. You got to file that away someday. Yeah, that's that's well, good, that's, man. That's tucked away for seeking wisdom from somebody who's that's uh, hilarious. more seasoned than yourself. Because we're like, well, I'm... 21 and have YouTube, <laughs> you know, I've got to figure it out. Oh, man. Wow, man, so that's that, hilarious. That came to mind, but you used an illustration in regards to space, and it's called the overview effect. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and uh, to make a very long story short, uh, since I'm long, long-winded, long maybe podcasts are good for me because I'm long-winded, <laughs> but um, filling some space. But uh, the overview effect is essentially this euphoria and this pheno- this emotional and mental and physical phenomenon that astronauts feel. Yeah when they are in orbit, Mm -hmm. experiencing zero gravity, looking out the window and seeing the Earth in its entirety. Yep. Um, NASA calls it a cognitive shift in awareness. Yeah. (laughs) Like, that's a big statement when NASA says something like that. And I I love that illustration, one, just because it resonates with my love for outer space, Um, but two, that that really is a wonderful illustration for what it is to— to really see Christ clearly, Amen. to see Jesus clearly. Like you said right now, um, the politicization of Christianity and even the person of Christ, the waters have been muddied yeah. um, and muddled a little bit. And I think when we come to God's word, especially in this book that we're studying, in the book of Colossians, we see a clear and crisp view of Jesus. And we can just for a moment look and see, look out that window and look at the earth and yeah. see, man, I'm really small. Yeah. Um, the things that I think are a huge deal in my life or yep. even in my state or my country or the world yep. are not as big of a deal as the person of Jesus Christ Yeah, absolutely. and what that has to offer. So I really loved that illustration. Yeah, it, it was powerful when Frank White and anybody who's listening, there's a documentary and stuff, but Frank White ended up interviewing and studying like 29 astronauts Yeah, and, you know, the list of people who've gone into space is kind of small, you know? And so, um, and so 29 astronauts come back and I mean, number, I mean, many of them became Christians. Yeah. Uh, many of them gave their life to voluntary, like volunteer work. Um, and it was all because of a shift. And I love the, I just love NASA the way they said it, a cognitive shift in awareness, yeah. you know? And, and I think that quote with J.B. Lightfoot about Colossians, Man, it just lifts Jesus high yeah. and big, and it's um, Richard Rohr, who's a theologian, uh, says it's 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 the cosmic Christ. Yeah, you know, you're like, whoa, this is this is a big deal. This yeah. is if this is true, um, if this is true, then this changes some things. Yeah, man. And so that's what Colossians does. Yeah, man. absolutely. And that, I I love that definition, the cognitive shift of awareness. And yeah. that's what we need, and that's why we're coming here. We, yep. If we're going to empty out that drawer, we need that shift of awareness. And so, so what is the goal? If if our goal is to, if if the idea is to kind of empty out the junk drawer and to shift our awareness for a clearer view of Jesus. Yeah. Uh, we asked the question, "What's the goal of the series?" Um, and and we said the goal of going through the Book of Colossians was this: for people to meet Jesus. To really meet him, yep. the true Jesus Christ from the Bible, yep. and to mature in Jesus. Yep. And that spiritual maturity is not measured by age, appearance, or achievements. Yep. So as a pastor, as a teacher, studier of the Bible, what would you say are the dangers of of head knowledge Christianity? Sure. Um, and I think you know what I mean by that. It's sort of the information versus application, <clears throat> the balance yeah. of that. Like some of us believe that, well, I'll, I'll just let you run with that. Yeah. Like, 
What would you um, say are the dangers the, of head knowledge I, Christianity? I just think the danger is is that there's a ditch on either side of the road, that there is a head knowledge. Um, Jesus says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, yeah. and strength. Um, but then the Apostle Paul would say, warn Timothy, um, be aware of these people who are constantly um, having a knowledge of God but never arriving at the truth. Yeah. And so there is a... There's that great tension that nobody will ever be able to solve, whether it's the Pharisees or Paul warning a young pastor. Um, hey, there's knowledge that you do have to know. There's things we do have to know. We have to study. We have to, I mean, we are Western Americans. I mean, we worship a Middle Eastern brown skin man who yeah. was crucified. So we need to learn some content. We need to know. Yeah. I mean, Christianity's built upon Judy. I mean, there's right. there's things that you have to know. But if that information doesn't translate to application, and so what we always say at Westside is information plus application equals transformation. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, and I always jokingly say this, and I need to not say it and stuff, but I'm like, the last thing that we need is another Beth Moore Bible study. And what here's what I mean by that. Love Beth Moore, yeah. faithful preacher of the gospel. She has incredible studies. That's awesome. But when I survey church, and, and, and maybe you listening to this, it's like, that's what we're doing this semester. You know, it's like, there's an old story that's passed around of a pastor who had just got hired at a church and uh, preached a sermon. They said, that was great preached in view of a calling, and so they said, we want you to come and be our pastor. And so um, the next Sunday, he he preaches the same sermon. Yeah. A little bit of awkwardness in the room, and then... We've heard this before. And then the next Sunday, he preaches the same sermon again, and then the, the board of directors, uh, you know, comes up to him and says, hey, you know, we gave you a pass on the first Sunday because you guys were busy and you were moving. Why are you preaching the same sermon? We've called you here to be our pastor. And he simply said, well, did you do what was in the sermon the hmm. first time I preached it? <laughs> to, which the board of to which the board of directors <laughs> said, well, you're fired, you know, or something like that. And so I just think that that's, you know, I, man, if it doesn't drive us to, um, doesn't drive us to application in our life and to relationships and to love more and to do that, I just yeah. think it's a fail. It's a yeah. fail. You know, it should yeah. drive us that direction. I think uh, for me, early on in my Christian walk, I um, and and even today, uh, I sort of I sort of view it as the check mark, the checklist, uh, the, the the list of things that if I do blank, then I am a better Christian. I'm I'm being discipled, or yeah. I'm a good disciple of Jesus Christ. And I think when we look at the difference between information and application, we can that line has been mudded as well and yeah. muddled as well. I think a lot of us, um, including myself, will sometimes think that oh well. I've gone to church, I've sat under that teaching, mm -hmm. and I've heard the same, and I'm knowing it better. Right. I'm knowing it better, and the, and, and the, the danger comes when we say that's the application. Right. The application is going to church and studying the Bible week after week after week. Those are good things, mm -hmm. um, but those are not ultimately the outcome and the fruit of what Jesus wants to see in our lives. Yeah, for sure. Of, of how we actually take the teaching and make it... Because it's one thing to hear, like, to, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself, and to have it on a, a stretched canvas board, like, hanging above <laughs> your kitchen, and, and say we love people, but then look at people that you see on television and speak of them as though they are inferior to you. Or not people. Um, or not people at all. Right. Um, that's, that's not loving 
Right. Uh, that's not an attitude or an, a- an application that's been made in your heart to love someone else. Sure. And so those are difficult, those are difficult strides to make. And I think that the, our study in Colossians is going to help with that as well. The difference yeah. between information and application. Um, and a lot of that comes with maturity and, sure. um, not just maturity in age. I mean, we said that like spiritual, uh, spiritual maturity doesn't come from age, age or appearance or achievements. It's not just from getting older and assume, I mean, I loved what you said on Sunday. You were like, I just assume that when I got to be a certain age, like I would have it all figured out. Being or I assumed ma- those who were in church, like right. I told a story about being a youth pastor in St. Louis and this lady was like, you know, I, I was almost born in this church. My, you know, my mom's water right. broke and I was yeah. almost born here. And then after being there, like realized never read through the Bible, never shared Christ with anybody. And, and please hear my heart behind this. I'm forever indebted to Pastor Tim Keller for always keeping the gospel central. And he said this, we don't obey to be accepted. Yeah. So, um, Reading my Bible doesn't make God love me more. Yeah. But reading my Bible makes me love God more. Amen. So I don't obey to be accepted. Yeah. I'm accepted, therefore I obey. Amen. And what Christian maturity is, is constantly living and abiding in the identity that Christ has given you. Yeah. Which then produces fruit. Yeah. So if this is a relationship and it's growing, then, you know, then knowledge just comes. That's just a thing of reading the Bible and this, that, and the other. Yeah. But man, loving people and, yeah. and seeing people. I mean, I was just yesterday, I had something came up and kind of threw my week off and it involved people. Yeah. And it was a it was a chunk of my day yeah. <laughs> that I was not prepared for. And I just told you back at the office, I, I was just very convicted sitting there and I thought, no, this this is ministry. Yeah. People. Yeah, it's not. I don't go back to my books and yeah. go. Okay, this is now ministry. Now I got to you know do this stuff. It's people like I'm right. involved, you know. And so um, all of these things were growing in our maturity. That's gospel maturity yeah. in that Amen. sense. So yeah, Jesus didn't march around with a clipboard and itinerary when someone pulled on his jacket and said, "Hey, can you uh, heal me?" He didn't yeah. go. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, I'm, on my, I'm, on my, I'm on my way to heal this Roman official. Son. Right. I can't do this right now. Right. Um, but I, I love the focus on maturity, and you gave us you gave us four points that pull from Colossians um, on marks of spiritual maturity. Yeah. Um, you said it's a growing trust in Jesus, a growing love for people, which we've just talked about a little bit, a growing knowledge of Jesus, and a growing service to Jesus. Yeah. Um, and I want to talk about that fourth one and then get into these two questions that you asked. A growing service to Jesus. Yeah. I think a lot of us hear that word service and we're like, oh, great. They're going to ask us to serve in the nursery or to serve in kids side or, or to give more or whatever. And yes, those are faithful acts of service to sure. the church and to the body. Um, what does a growing service to Jesus look like? Yeah. Um, it, since it's number four on the list, and well, I mean, it's not like listed beneath yeah, sure, the other. Sure. It's on the list, but it makes the list with the other three of trust in Jesus, love for people, and knowledge of Jesus. So what does a growing service to Jesus look like in a spiritually mature yeah. believer? I think it goes from obligation to opportunity is what it does. I mean, yeah. there's a level of serving Jesus that is duty. Like you're just going to have to, there's things, you know, whether it be whatever area you're volunteering in at your local church where that is a faithful expression of the gospel lived out. Um, but at the same time, it's where, like, I think, I think a mature Christian goes, and I said this Sunday, goes from being one who's received the gospel to being responsible for it. Hmm. So now it's not 
okay, what's the bare minimum or what do I quote unquote have to do? I think it's now, what do I get to do? Yeah. And, you know, man, I remember when I first came to Christ and started serving my, my, for those of you who are listening, my dad's a pastor and I grew up a PK and I remember, um, you know, my life changing and just serving with some junior high kids and being around people and getting plugged in like wherever I could. And it was just this new community. It was just this new expression. And, um, you know, sad to say, and to my own conviction, I mean, that's waned through the years. But but going back to that and getting corrected by the scriptures, I I just think that's where you see an expression of that maturity in that service. So Yeah, no, that's really good. Um, In the the 11 a.m., you mentioned something that you did not in the 9, and you actually said, this just came to me. And I'm thinking about maturity, and um, it's it's from Colossians where he says, and he, and he made peace by the blood of his cross. Yeah, and you said this just came to me. Peace and cross go together. Yep. Some of us are are yearning for peace in a relationship without taking up the responsibility of the cross of yep. our pride and laying that down and dying sure. to that. Um, and I think I, I loved that because that that can be service to Jesus. That can be service to to loving your neighbor and loving them as you love yourself. Yep. And and I think that's a uh, again, we we get back to the the obstacle versus opportunity and information versus application. That's the application of right. taking taking your cross and not just saying I want peace in this relationship, but saying it through a yelling tone and constantly like like right. just dismembering the other person's argument to constantly lift yourself up and try to be right rather than make a difference. Yeah, um, and I love that. I loved when you said that. And so we followed up those marks of spiritual maturity, a growing trust in Jesus, love for people, knowledge of Jesus, and service to Jesus with these questions. And you said, go home and ask your spouse or yeah. to, and I forgot to ask Kayla. Yeah. Um, did you ask Courtney? I didn't, but I, I know, but I definitely know yeah, what, yeah. What, so, what would be the area in, so my, in my life. Let me ask these questions. In which of these areas do you see growth in my life? Yeah. Um, and I'll ask, I'll ask you for me. Um, yeah. I mean, we're around each other enough. Yeah. Uh, we've been around each other for the last six years. In which of these areas do you see growth in my life? Yeah, I would absolutely say over the past couple of years, a growing knowledge of Jesus in your life, for sure. Um, I think when God saved you, I think he gifted you um, with a, a great ability to serve and um, some leadership abilities. But I think at the same time, church sometimes doesn't challenge us in our knowledge. Mm. Um, and so, you know, guys like you and I, I think can almost skirt by in in, in a way without being challenged in in, yeah. in a church body um, because like oh well they're doing this and they're doing this and they're doing this which by the way is not a sign of health by, yeah. by any means at all but I think over the years man seeing seeing you grow in a knowledge of Jesus as Paul would say a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ has been really cool mm. it's been um, really really awesome to see. Not just the what, but the why, and 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 what uh, undergirds all of that. It's yeah. it's it's been cool. It's been really cool. Well, thank you. I greatly appreciate that, and I owe thanks and glory to God for placing you in my life um, as a teacher in that area. Well, um, so I appreciate that. Uh, if I'm a Timothy, uh, you're my Paul. Oh, good you're lord! Bo- I'm not saying you're Paul. I'm <laughs> yeah, just saying right. you're my yeah. you're my Paul. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Is, uh, do we know any Pauls? Are there I don't any know, Pauls man. I think there's a mentor myth yeah. out there. I think actually. So yeah. <laughs> Timothy, there's a ball. Right, right. Um, but I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I've learned a lot from you, uh, and and I'm very thankful uh, to have done that. Yeah, man. Um, and uh, 
I think I think uh, for you, if I should, if if I were to answer that question for you, in which of those areas do I see growth in your life? I see a combination of trust in Jesus and love for people, mm. especially in the last two years. Mm. Um, I know a lot of of uh, you and I see a more intimate side of each other's lives just yeah, because sure. we're around each other more often. Yeah, um, and uh, I I just see. Um, from from a pastoral standpoint and from a family man standpoint, I've seen you come to cling more tightly uh, to God's word and to trust in Jesus and His promises. Yeah, man. While you're loving people, as as uh, easy or as hard as that may be, yeah. um, for those of you who who are listening right now, loving people is not always easy. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's why a, the application part is so difficult and the information part is so attractive. That's a profound revelation today on the podcast <laughs> is loving people is hard. But, I mean, I, I appreciate that. And, and I think um, for those two things to grow together, um, I think, uh, you know, I'm still learning. I think one of the areas my wife would say is, is a growing love for people is an area that I'm needing to grow more in, meaning... Um, Loving people out of a trust in Jesus, yeah. not loving people out of a trust of myself, yeah. uh, just because, you know, whether it be deep insecurities that I walk in or this, that, and the other, that can become a dangerous slope for me. Yeah. And so um, I appreciate that. But yeah, man, I'm, yeah. I'm growing. I think we're yeah. all, and that's the key word in all of that is growing, yes. abiding, Jesus, yes. the vine, the trellis, yeah. all of that stuff. Absolutely. So I think if my wife were to answer, I'm pretty sure she would say it would be grow, uh, growing trust in Jesus, yeah. um, my attitude and my heart. Can can often show that I'm putting my trust in many other things throughout my day. How about this? We're going to come back next week with a ask our wives firm answer. Yes, with a yes. firm answer in this. We will so. do that. All right. Okay. So uh, let's move on. Your third point um, in the introduction to Colossians was why Colossians? Yeah. Why at this time of the year? Like why? I mean, I know that the 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 turn into. Uh, 2021, and we mentioned that um, things didn't really seem all that yeah, right? different. Like, yeah. like what? Why not a big turnover? Like, why do we need a clear view of Jesus after a year like 2020? Yeah, I think because there's so many distractions, and just going back to what we said in the beginning, and not to spend too much time there, mm-hmm. but I mean, um, there's there's just there's too many distractions, yeah. and if Jesus. <clears throat> is the basis of, of all of this. If it really is all about Jesus, Colossians is the diving board yeah. that um, compels and propels us into that swimming pool, if yeah. you will. And so, um, yeah, and, and this time of year, you know, just from a scheduling standpoint, there's not many holidays. It's a pretty consistent run up yeah. to Easter. And so to faithfully every Sunday, people come and you're just in the book. Yeah. You know, you're just in the book every week um, is is healthy for us as a congregation, I think. Yeah, so. man. Absolutely. Well, and we answered that in the third in the in the point of why Colossians yeah. in the introduction. We said the answer to why was broken into three subpoints. To reclaim the supremacy of Jesus, to rest in the sufficiency of Jesus. Yeah. And to remember the simplicity of Jesus. We yep. talked about the sufficiency of Jesus a little bit. Jesus yep. plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus something, fill in the blank, whatever. Yeah. But let's talk about reclaiming the supremacy. Reclaim the supremacy of Jesus Christ. Yeah. We said that supremacy is defined as the hi- a highest position, the highest rank or position, and the highest authority. Yep. There um, it is. So, yeah. There's the word. Yeah, that's the. We're, that's it. We're done. Yep. We're done. We're that's just going to say dirty re- <laughs> word, as my kids would say, a bad word. Yeah. Well, why? Why is uh, supremacy, authority, specifically that definition? Um, why is that something that we need to reclaim? 
yeah. uh, going through this series, and not just like individually in our lives of recognizing Jesus is supreme in my life, but um, in our families. And yeah, every, I mean, I mean, I think it goes back kind of what John Stott said: if this man Jesus Christ rose from the grave and is alive today, then you have to accept everything he said. Yeah. Um, you don't negotiate with a guy who resurrected. <laughs> right. You know, you yeah. don't you don't go, well, you know, maybe this and a little part of my life. And and, and we said, you know, what what Augustine, uh, Saint Saint Augustine or Saint Augustine said, Christ is not valued at all unless he is valued above all. Amen. And man, I think honestly, listen, that is not a baseball bat. Yeah. Okay. That is a that is a scalpel. Yeah that cuts out unnecessary anxiety in our life. Yeah. Because I think Christians, and, and listen, I'm talking me, when I start to balance things as as important as Jesus, we said the question is not, is Jesus important? That's yeah. not even the question. Right. But I think many Christians and maybe you know those of us who are listening to the podcast would say, man, that's what I struggle with. He's the most important thing in my life. Yeah. That's not it. The question is, is he first? Yeah. Plain and simple. Budget, everything, boots to the ground, that's what it's about. Yeah. And so when I try to hold in balance, I mean, literally the word anxiety in the New Testament means being pulled between two things. Yeah. And Jesus never asked that. That's why he said, you know, you can't serve two masters. Right. You either, you know, love God and hate money or you'll hate God and love money, you know. And so I think it's freeing. So when we hear that, we've got to get back to a place of this is good. He's the good king, yeah. as C.S. Lewis would say in Narnia. He's the good king. Yeah. And um, listen, something's going to rule our life. Amen. Something will rule our yeah. life. And listen, can we just be honest? We make a really poor God. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, a life all about you is exhausting, man. It's exhausting. <laughs> For and so, yourself and everyone else. Yeah, and so I, th- I just think it's important that when we say to reclaim the supremacy of Jesus, we say it in a sweet, yeah, almost like we found the cure way. Yeah, not in a angry, right? You know, um, sense. I I think it's beautiful to go. Yeah. Oh, this is the good King. Right. This is the good King. Yeah. So. It's one thing to hear to reclaim supremacy. Yeah. It's another thing to hear to reclaim the supremacy of Jesus. Right. Because in reality, there is no supremacy higher than Christ. Amen. That is the truth. That Amen. is reality. He has the highest authority that is given to him by God, and we see it in Philippians chapter 2, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is, is supreme, that yeah. Jesus Christ is Lord. And I think oftentimes we can, just like we always do with the pendulum swinging right or to the left, we can we can take this sweet and good news that authority no longer has to be a bad or dirty word, but it yes. can be about Jesus. But we elevate that, and we make it complicated. Yep. And we make it complicated, and, and we try to to compartmentalize our lives and to make sure that that uh, Jesus is king of... And this is very true, and this is absolutely applicable, but Jesus is king over, like, how many times I dip my spoon into my bowl in the mornings to eat my cereal, or when I should rise out of bed and tie my shoe, and when I should put my right pant leg on, or whatever, that right. we... That, we, that in our entire lives must be completely governed by what we hope is going to be the audible voice of God to arrange our day throughout the entire day, and we make it complicated. We also complicate it in our relationships. Yep. We complicate it in the way that we uh, behave to one another in the way that we may be, oh, that person doesn't view Jesus as supreme, and so they are not like me, right. and we make it complicated again. And the third point of why Colossians was to remember the simplicity yep. 
of Jesus, not yep. the complexity, not the complication of, of the relationship with Jesus, but to the, remember the simplicity of Jesus. Yeah. How do we complicate the gospel? Yeah, and, and, and I think, you know, a caveat to that. Yeah. Th- that does not mean that the great, I mean, Paul speaks of the mysteries of Christ yeah, and yeah. divinity and humanity. What I mean by to remember the simplicity of the gospel and the simplicity of Jesus is, is that is that it does, everything really is all about Jesus. Yeah. So no matter what is going on in our lives of a relationship or whatever, that Jesus speaks directly to that, that the yeah. death, that the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ really has a say over every area. Yeah. And not just a say, but it, but I really believe that it is the answer. And, and we said a couple weeks ago, all relationships fail because of a failure to love. Yeah. That's it, plain Amen. and simple. Amen. At, at one point, you know, regardless of what the current context is and how horrible it might be, all relationships fail because there began to be a breakdown of love. Yeah. And so just what is love? You know, baby, don't hurt. No, I'm just, you know, um, <laughs> like like where where do we get this image of love? Well, that's a very important yeah. question that you should be asking. Right. And again, I would submit that Jesus being in the highest leadership position yeah. bears a cross yeah. and there's self-sacrifice. No, you know, no man has any greater love than this than he laid down his life for his friends. Yeah. And so love is self-sacrifice. And again, that's just a very quick application of right. that's what we mean about the simplicity. Yeah. That that the cross and the empty tomb, it that's the core of it all. Yeah. And we've got to get back to that. And and in our area, sort of in the Bible belt. Man, there's a lot of things that are placed, you know, it's a denom, you know, it's you know, we said it's not a Baptist gospel. Right. It's not a Catholic gospel. It's not a reformed gospel. It's not a social gospel. Yeah. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think if you put anything in front of that, yeah, it takes away from that. And yeah. and we and we need to get back to the beautiful simplicity. I mean, when we look at the life of Paul, a man consumed by the cross. Yeah. And writing, and no matter what was going on in these churches, whether it's you know Christians gone wild in Corinth, or it's wealthy affluent people in uh, you know Ephesus, or if it's heresy in Colossians, it's always Jesus. Yeah, this is how you've strayed, right? And and, and this is how we get back. Yeah, man. And and for us in 2021, the church, man, the church and Christians in 2021 are not beyond that. It's yeah. the same answer. Yeah, it's the same answer. Amen. So, Amen. And a woman. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, well, I, that's, you got to keep them. That's let's, great. Let's talk about that, that's though, great. because that's a perfect illustration about what we're talking about. What we're talking about is, is, is this simplicity of the beauty and the love of Jesus Christ and the gospel. And you actually addressed when, when, uh, who was it? It was, it was Representative Emmanuel Cleaver. Um, yeah. Uh, he, 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 <laughs> and you posted on Facebook addressing this and addressing exactly what we're talking about. I'm going to read your post because I think there's wisdom in it, man. I really, yeah. I really enjoyed it. You said this, I completely understand everyone's frustrations and anger about Representative Emmanuel Cleaver. Ridiculous and frankly ignorant, quote, prayer in Congress. For those of you who don't know, he wrapped up a prayer um, that was a little massively theologically uh, inaccurate, and then he followed up with well, amen. Well, the term amen has nothing to do with gender, so Correct. you can go look that up. But yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. He, also, he also mentioned a few other gods that were com- and sure. equaled them with Christ, but right. uh, that was not the point. The, the, the point was this. Um, your next paragraph was, but if you are a Christian, 
because we saw a lot of blowback from this. We saw yeah, a lot sure. of people with criticism and a lot of fired love. up. Yes, I mean, yeah. By God, don't you? I mean, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. This is why. I, you know, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, but if you're a Christian and that upsets you more and causes more outrage in you than knowing whether or not your neighbor knows Jesus, yeah, or your own family members know Jesus, then there's a problem. Yep. The greatest threat to the church isn't, we've said this before, isn't atheism or error outside of the church. The greatest threat to the church is apathy and distraction inside the church. And then yep. you quote Matthew 22, and he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and this is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Yep. On yep. these two commandments depend all the law and yep. all the prophets, not the way that you close a prayer, yep. not the way that you pray or the way that you present yourself on television. Those things are important, but the great and first commandment and the second that is like it is to love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, and and, and my heart behind that was yeah, yeah. was the energy and yeah. the venom and the so idols. We protect what we love. Yeah, right, right. And so if you want to. Um, we we protect what we love, and so if anybody threatens what we love, we're gonna you know show some energy towards that. Yeah. And what I saw was an idol yeah. of um, whether it be Christian nationalism or whatever it was that they were so fired up about this thing that happened within government yeah. versus like. I mean, when's the last time you even went to church? Right. <laughs> like or like I'm like I'm seeing these people post, yeah. and I'm like. It, man, is that the thing? Is, yeah. is that really what we're... And, and by the way, going to church, you know, right. what I'm saying is we're distracted. Right. We're so... Dis- that's not yeah. the thing. The illusion of false application. Yeah, yeah. That's not the thing. And yeah. so I think um, if you're not willing to sit down with coffee yeah. across from a table of somebody who's completely different than you... Come on, man. ...and engage in a conversation, yeah, I just, I just don't think... That, that any other way is going to be like Jesus. Yeah. Because what I see constantly in the Gospels is, who is this man yeah. who eats with tax collectors and sinners? And yeah. so and so my heart behind that was, man, that's not the thing. Yeah. Please, Christians, that's not the thing. Yeah. We've got to get back to whether it's the supremacy of Jesus Christ and, yeah. and, and that. So that's my heart behind that. Yeah, so no, that's good. That's not the hill to die on. The, oh, man. The hill to die on is, is, is the hill where we murder our pride for our love for Christ and for one another. Yeah. That is the hill that we die on. Yeah, man. Um, and so the, the last question uh, that I want to get into um, before we sort of wrap up, we're yeah. almost at an hour here, um, and I want us, maybe this is something that you and I can practice as well, but I want you who are listening to ask yourself this question. You were charged with this in the sermon. How am I, not, not how's my wife or how's my, how are my kids or how's my boss, how am I making it hard for people to see Jesus in my life? Mm, yeah, how am man. I making that difficult? How am I making it too complex? Um, h- how am I putting my pride in, in the blank of, of Jesus and yep. to... to, to to pursue anything other than Christ himself or, or what I love to defend it. How am I making it hard for people to see Jesus yeah. in my life? And I, I'll just leave us with that as sort of rhetorical. We can come back and, and kind of land on that next week. Yeah, man, that's and good. And um, for you who are listening, uh, maybe make a point to, to journal in that, yeah. um, journal that answer. Uh, the big idea, again, for this for this sermon series is a clear view of Jesus will change our lives. And our prayer is that as we pour over this text, pour over this book of Colossians, 
that we would see a clear, crystal clear view of Jesus, and it would really change the way that we live. Amen. It would change the way that we go to work. Yep. It would change the way that we interact with our spouses. It would change the way that we pray for our enemies and yep. that we pray for those that we love. Amen. And so do you have any closing thoughts before we sort of shout yeah, out man. some resources? Yeah. We are we're we're in the journey. And so it's yeah. gonna take time and we're gonna let the word of God speak directly um into these areas. And yeah. so um yeah, I think what you said is great that that really is the goal. And so whether yeah. you're a Christian and maybe you've gotten distracted, join the club. Um, you know, we're, <laughs> we're getting back on track. Or maybe you're not a Christian or maybe you're peeking over the fence and there were some things, some barriers placed and there was some disillusionment or something like that. Join us on the journey. Yeah. There's room for everybody on yeah. this. And so, yes. Absolutely. Well, we have some practical tools that we want you guys to, uh, that we want to make available for you as we are going through the book of Colossians. The first one is every time we go through a book of the Bible, we do the ESV scripture journal. Yep. Um, we sort of buy uh, in bulk of those and and uh, distribute them to our people. And this one will be the Colossians and they've grouped it with Philemon, yep. the ESV scripture journal. That will be available in our lobby I think we have a new uh, a new stack of those available yep. this week. Those are five bucks, and then we also have a a devotional that can sort of guide you uh, Monday through Saturday yep. in between our Sundays called the Domino Effect Devotional. Yep. Um, and if you want to look that up, you can go to seedbed.com. Yep. You can find a digital version of that, or you can buy that at Westside in the lobby as well for five bucks, and you can get both for a whopping discounted price of ten dollars. Ten dollars. Five dollars plus five dollars is the incredible price of Amazing. ten dollars. We don't have any questions that. Um, you guys have sent in, but please, the the purpose of this podcast is is not just for Pastor Jason and myself to sort of expound on things that we couldn't have time to expound on on a Sunday morning. Yeah, but we also we want to hear, hear your from questions. You. Yes, yeah. yes. So send us any question that you have about the sermon series or about why Jason shaves his head so bald at info at yes. westsidepb.org. Yes. And you can find out more about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's awesome. I, I want to leave you guys, uh, this is something I want to start doing, um, a verse that is applicable to what we've been talking about. Uh, I want to leave you guys with a verse before we close. Psalm 89 in verse 6 says this, and this is a psalm that we actually named our son after, written by Ethan the Ezraite. Psalm 89.6 says, Who in the skies can compare to the Lord? Who among the heavenly beings is like him? That is our God and that is our Jesus. So as always, may everything that we do and say in our lives and with our mouths be all about Jesus. If you want to find out more about us at Westside, you can go to our website at westsidepb.org. You can join us in person in our gatherings at Westside at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. And you can catch our streams online on Facebook at 11 a.m. We love you. As always, it's all about Jesus. Blessings. Blessings.